I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... Artificial intelligence is moving way too quickly in the decisions and the impact around and to your business moving way too fast. This is not the internet. This is something that is moving at light speed almost on a weekly basis. And I will promise you, your competitors are looking into it. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh, with producer Tracy Madigan. Today we have Jennifer Ives as our guest. She is the co-founder and CEO of Watering Hole AI. Yes, it's those two letters again, AI. Jennifer has a long and rich history in deploying AI inside the corporate arenas. So she knows whereof she speaks. And let me tell you, uh, it's an interesting conversation, if only because we find out how many barriers there are in lots of companies, small, medium, large, government, et cetera, barriers to deploying AI. It scares a lot of people. But part of Jennifer and her colleagues' job is demystifying it and making sure that companies know it can be a source of revenue and growth and customers. So once you start to think that way, AI can be letters that are fun to think about. Here's our conversation. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a delight. Well, Watering Hole is is a new entity, I guess less than six months old, but you certainly have a long and robust track record in these crazy two letters, AI. Can you walk our listeners through the journey uh, in, in this arena and why Watering Hole was started? I'm a geospatial engineer by training and by my first number of years in you know education and first number of years in my career. So I've been playing in, in data and deep data for many, many years to over two decades and also helping a number of uh, deep data, data rich companies really grow very quickly um, globally. Uh, so, you know, I've just been waiting as <laughs> have a number of people who have been involved in AI for many years. Um, I've, I've advised companies and I've worked with 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 some. Um, we've been waiting for the the cost, right? The, the 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 cost that that it requires to come down. And you know, all of a sudden, ChatGPT hit the hit the scene, and um, people started talking about AI in a way that they hadn't before. And um, as I mentioned, the costs have come down. The the compute costs have come down. And um, it's not just the super secret agencies or the very large, large, large global financial institutions that can afford you know that can afford actual uh, artificial intelligence tools to be used to supercharge uh, the companies that they're that they're building you know the products so, that they're putting into the market so when you say the cost has come down is it literally the intel chips are smarter and faster or <laughs> connectivity is more or access to data repositories like all of my twitter feed content is it all of the above or what what, what are some of the components right. Yeah, all of the above and in, including actual cost to compute, which used to be, and it still is not inexpensive, but it is much less expensive. But kind of everything that you just mentioned um, has all come to uh, a really beautiful place in the world that you can actually, um, with the right use case and with the right return on investment to a company, to an organization, you can implement, uh, in, in my world, it's predictive, it's human-assisted predictive AI. There are, there are a lot of kind of forms and, and pieces of AI. It's, you know, predictive AI is where, where we really focus on with companies that we're helping. And uh, those costs have come down. I mean, it is, it, is, it, is, it is why everyone is now looking to really institute and pull in the AI tools uh, into their everyday, um, you know, companies. 
So let's go with the word predictive. I, I think I know what that means, but is that if I was the CEO of a consumer products company, would that be a place where I might go to predict the next trend I should have a product for, or is that too tight a definition of the term? No, 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 absolutely. So, I mean, predictive AI literally is, is, is artificial intelligence that's aiming to forecast future outcomes based on historical data, data patterns. And so, no, it is, it is, uh, it is, it is absolutely a tool that many organizations, many leaders are looking to implement. It's why watering holes, why we created our company based on two years of, of R&D that's already, right? We've already been working on this for a while. And uh, we really, and we, we named the company Watering Hole AI because what is your market? Who's in your market? So who, name your watering hole. Who's around that watering hole? Do you have lions? Do you have gazelles? Do you have flamingos? Let's baseline that because a lot of times in that marketing piece, right, the intent data piece, you may be talking in the market in a way that's attracting many more animals around your watering hole than you meant to or that you need to. And then also, so we baseline that. And then also we help companies predict using data inputs in um, predict where the other like watering holes are. So if you are trying to attract gazelles, that you're attracting more gazelles to your watering hole. And so that's where the that's where the company name came up. And it is a prediction. So there's predictive AI involved in, in our platform and in our services. That's the voice of Jennifer Ives. She's our guest on What's Working in Washington Today. I'm Mark Walsh, your host with Tracy Madigan as producer. Jennifer is the co-founder and CEO, as you just heard, of Watering Hole AI. You and I are both in the DC market or in the in the arena today, or geographically around the DC market, and I think a bunch of other parts of our nation, maybe the world, always think of DC as a company town because in many ways it is a company town with the United States government and particularly the DoD being tremendous consumers of, of technology. You started off earlier in our conversation talking about you know the three letter agencies and the and the sort of black box stuff that the government has always had kind of a lead on in. Do you think that's been harmful or helpful to the deployment of AI in the commercial space? Or maybe is it just neutral, but they've funded so much growth that we're now sort of enjoying the, the funding of it? Yeah, I think it's the helpful and the neutral, kind of the way you just described and de defined helpful and neutral. Nation state work, the, the agencies you know, around the world have been leaning on and using artificial intelligence tools for many, many years. And there are a lot of lessons that have been learned. There is a lot of technology and algorithms and the stitching together of, of very specific algorithms that have been learned through those activities and through those agencies. And to be, you know, to, to be quite honest, the, the commercial, the consumer market has been now using those technologies in amazing ways, right? You've got Netflix, you've got Amazon, you have Google, you have large commercial companies who uh, financial institutions have been leaning into predictive AI um, for, for a number of years, not just since the advent of everyone talking about ChatGPT and the Wall Street Journal only writing about ChatGPT. The predictive AI piece has been around for a long time. And uh, so I would say it's, it's the beneficial piece and the neutral piece. This is something that um, there is the technology. It is now in the consumer market. And so many more private sector organizations, companies around the world are leaning on these tools and leaning on these tools to grow faster, to supercharge. From our, from our perspective, what we do is we help the, the revenue generation of companies. So again, the, the marketing funnel, the sales funnel, new revenue into the company. So many companies and leaders, especially boards and CEOs are really looking to us. They come to us and ask these questions. How can we do X, Y, Z in our market? 
marketing funnel or in our sales funnel? How can we better predict what products should be in the market for, um, you know, for product one, product two, product three, or different versions of products? Uh, these are all questions that um, because of the conversation around ChatGPT and the conversation around artificial intelligence, kind of the, the broad AI word, if, you'll, if you will, now many more companies, many more leaders, not only in the US, but in, you know, around the world are really trying to understand their strategy. Where are we, what are the use cases? How do we set a strategy in place? Who in our company understands at the very least the strategic piece of artificial intelligence and how to apply it? And again, you can, it's not just new revenue and it supercharges, you know, if it's used correctly, it's supercharging your employees. So you could be using it for financial systems. You could be, um, you know, leaning on predictive AI for, um, people in talent needs, you can be leaning on predictive AI for kind of all pieces of, of your business and across all industry sectors. That's the really exciting piece. It's not just one or two industry sectors. It's not just financial services or healthcare. It's automotive. It's, um, consu you know, it, it's retail. It's, you know, you fill in the blank. It's all industries that are really benefiting now from the leveraging artificial intelligence. I don't recall two letters having more of an impact and in many ways striking fear in the hearts of a, of chunks of the society. And and to your point about revenue generation and, and management's desire to deploy, at the other end of that bell curve are employees who are worried about their jobs. In your conversations with your clients at, uh, at Watering Hole AI, do, they, do you hear them trying to balance, gee, I can make a lot more money with this if I figure out how to deploy it in my new product development or my H, I guess HR department people I'm talking about, but do you hear them also, or do you sense that they are also wrestling with how they're going to have to manage dislocation? Yeah. And sometimes, so, so I think of artificial intelligence as human predict, uh, I'm sorry, human assisted, human assisted artificial intelligence. The human piece is not going to go away. Many, many, many um, experts in this area will often talk about it's human assisted. The jobs may change. The job titles may change. But the jobs aren't going to go away. So sometimes we do have to have that conversation or broach that conversation. Sometimes we do it proactively. You know, my my team and I will do it proactively with um, boards or with the C-suite executives to say, um, you know, this particular use case, if we're applying predictive artificial intelligence to your marketing funnel, um, this is going to supercharge your marketing team, how they market, when they market, what channels they use to market, what messages they use. It's going to supercharge them. And a couple of people, a few people, however many on that team will absolutely need to learn some new skills and be able to implement those new skills. You're not going to lose them. You're not going to have them go away. They're just gonna change their job and then supercharge their ability to create um, you know, what it is that they're doing for the company, the marketing output that leads to sales, that need, leads to new revenue. So I believe deeply that this is not about getting rid of jobs, no matter whether it's sales and marketing, whether it's in human resources, whether it's in financial system, it's, it's, a, it's a change. These are new jobs that are being created as a result. These are new ways of using data in, in real time instead of weeks and weeks and months sometimes of trying to pull different data together into one source and then make a decision on top of that. So it's a job change. These are title change. These are role change. 
changes. And that is something that a company has to be prepared for when they're looking at their AI strategy. That's absolutely, it's a great question because it's absolutely a piece of when companies are thinking about implementing artificial intelligence, how are they implementing it? Where are they, what is the use case? What's the return on investment? How is it going to impact their employees? Generally speaking, it's not to get rid of the, the human piece of it, it's to change how they interact with the data, change how they interact um, with their day-to-day -day job and supercharge their ability to do great work. So some of that sounds like barriers to, to AI. And I know we're going to touch on that a little bit later in our conversation. Again, we're chatting with Jennifer Ives. She's the co-founder and CEO of Watering Hole AI. She's our guest here on What's Working in Washington with me, your host, Mark Walsh, and producer Tracy Manigan. So one job, we were talking about job loss. I The line I've heard a lot is, you're not going to lose your job to AI. You're going to lose your job to someone who's good at AI. And I, I know there's a there's a new term, a new job title I heard the other day called a prompt engineer, mm -hmm. um, which is somebody who you know sets up the, the the description of what you want from AI. And I guess my I, I promise this is a question at the end of this, but what I think what what I find is a lot of colleagues of mine they try quote unquote try ChatGPT. And they ask it an, an incredibly weird, open-ended question, thinking that ChatGPT will figure out exactly what their question means. And as we all know, open-ended questions are something we're used to as humans, but ChatGPT is not. So this idea of defining your question more in, in, in ways you would never define your question to somebody in real life is something we need to learn. Things like that, to me, seem to be sort of executional barriers to adoption of AI, so are you seeing that sort of almost granular uh, learning curve in, in, in folks at the at the uh, at, at the front line of corporations? Yes. And there's a lot of conversation around um, the use of a particular type of artificial intelligence like ChatGPT. And absolutely. So that is now, now you actually have new jobs created. Right? Right, so you didn't right. lose jobs there. You actually have new jobs created or someone in marketing or a particular um, um a division of a company whose job was one thing is now probably looking to retrain or upskill into if this, if that's what they need prompt engineering. So they didn't lose their job. They changed their job. It could be that they actually needed to hire a few more people around prompt engineering. Um, and, and yes, and, and prompt engineering is an interesting example um, because that is something that you, it, it, it talks to what that particular form of artificial intelligence is. Um, ChatGPT, Bard, they they are not thinking, right? You do need prompt engineers because they're a huge database that when you're typing in information, you do have to be that specific. Write it in this tone as this person, right there. And it is, and the more specific you can get on on that particular um, prompt, the better the outcome that the the, the that that the system is able to pull forward what it is from its database, what it is that you're looking for. So I hope I I think I might have answered two questions. And hey, result. you know what? It's better than uh, me asking one and one in a row and 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 keeping <laughs> it that way. So way to go! You batted. You batted 200 there. We're talking with Jennifer Ives, the co-founder and CEO of Watering Hole AI here in What's Working in Washington. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other things surrounding AI, not just the craziness about it's going to end the world, but some of the other opportunities in both business, government, and your own personal life. That and more after this. Listen, we want to 
put out a huge thank you to our listeners who put us in touch with some of the best voices in Washington, D.C. and the region. We've been hearing from you through Twitter, LinkedIn, and other direct messaging. On What's Working in Washington, we talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how businesses in the region are keeping us competitive. We talk to the brains in the nonprofit world, restaurant domain, and next-gen tech. We love meeting smart people. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. Tracy Madigan, our producer, and I think that it's all about shining a spotlight on people who are really getting things done in the region. So please keep those ideas coming. And thanks to all of those who stay in touch with us. Back with Watering Hole founder, co-founder and CEO Jennifer Ives joining us. I'm Mark Walsh, your host, along with producer Tracy Madigan. We're talking about the future, uh, well, I guess the current role of AI in the corporate world. But Jennifer and her colleagues are finding some interesting barriers to adoption by companies. I think, Jennifer, there's no question that whenever things generate fear, a lot of times companies, well, it's human nature. They retract into their shell and say, well, I'll... I'll deal with that later. Is that sort of barrier A, just kind of, hey, I know it's coming, but I'll I'll face the whole AI wave when it, when it really, really affects my business, as opposed to proactively trying to ski ahead of the supposed uh, uh, avalanche? Yeah, yeah. I love that you use wave because I often talk in terms of the wave of AI that is crashing in a in a wonderful way. It's, it's here, it's cresting, it's crashing. And I often kind of put put decision makers into three buckets. One is I'm just going to watch it. I watched the internet and I was okay for 12 months, 18 months. And then I made decisions. Artificial intelligence is moving way too quickly and the decisions and the impact around and to your business moving way too fast. This is not the internet. This is something that is moving at light speed, almost on a weekly basis. And I will promise you, I can promise you your competitors are looking into it. Be aware, make some decisions. So kind of this one bucket of executives who are saying, I'm going to watch this for 12 to 18 months. Not going to, not going to happen. You're, 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 you're going to be crushed by your competitors. Then there's a, 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 well, is, a, is there a better bucket? I, that, that's a pretty tough start bucket. <laughs> there is. I'm going to get, I'm going to move okay. on online. Your second bucket are those who are saying, I'm going to learn to swim. I am going to, I may be doggy paddling. I may be learning freestyle, but like, I see this wave and I'm, I'm trying, I'm learning, I'm learning every day. And I'm going, I'm starting with doggy paddle and I'm going to move to freestyle, right? I'm learning to swim. I'm in the water. I'm, I'm learning to swim. Excellent. And then you have those, those mavericks who've been trying to build these systems based on, you know, their data, their, their analytics of yesteryear without artificial intelligence laid on top of it. And they're saying, I'm building a surfboard. Let me find a partner who knows how to build a surfboard because I'm building a surfboard and I'm going to ride this wave. And those are the decision makers, the leaders who, again, you've got the leaders who are who are actively saying, making a decision and a choice to say, I'm going to watch this. You have those who are saying, I'm going to learn to swim. I'm trying. I'm trying to catch up with this. I'm trying to understand how I want to use this in my business. And you have those who have been saying, I've been waiting for this to come to the commercial market for, for a number of years. I've been watching it. It was too expensive. It was too complex. It needed too much data. Now we need less data. It's less expensive. And I can apply. I've got use cases galore. I'm, I've just been waiting for this. Those are the ones that are building the surfboards. So those, so in those, those are in, three buckets. In those three buckets, my sense is that the third bucket, the, the surfers, uh, besides being 
tanned and blonde dudes on the beach, so to speak, dudes and dudettes. I, those tend to be more disruptive executives or companies that are thought of as more disruptive. Is has that is that the trend you're seeing? I mean, I I, I can't imagine again, respectfully, not naming names that I'll name ones. I can't imagine a product manager at Procter and Gamble is just begging to be the surfer. Or are you seeing people like that really jumping into that third bucket? You are seeing people like that jump into the third bucket. You'd wow. be surprised, like you said, without naming names. Um, the clients that we work with and the companies who call us for uh, for information, for thoughts, for our insights, um, it is across all industries. And it is uh, from some global companies who you may have put into, uh, not to use the word bucket again, but into the description that you just that you just uh, used. Yeah. Um, it is very interesting to understand and hear and see who is leaning into this and building their surfboard to ride this wave. And surprisingly, the companies who say they are, and yet they're look they're they're, hes they're kind of uh, uh, hesitating a little bit, and they're watching it a little bit. And and I've been I've personally and as a company, we've been surprised by those two. It's it's not always who you think. And so I, I go into every conversation realizing that and having some very specific questions up front to try to tease that out because I, I don't want to make any assumptions about uh, a company that I believe might be, you know, ready to build a surfboard um, based on their brand or based on, you know, other decisions they've made in the world with their with their business. And those companies who you might assume are a little slower or want to slower to the decision making process around AI, maybe want to watch it a little bit further. I've been um, wonderfully surprised in meetings with just a few questions to uncover. Oh, look at you! You're you're not just learning to swim; you're building the surfboard. Let's let let's see how we can help you. Well, back in the day, um, you know, a lot of companies that, to your point earlier about watching the internet. They decided to start an E division. Remember that? It was like, you know, E whatever. And they put the E in front of one of their divisions or one of their product lines or something. And they thought that was sort of more than a Band-Aid that was like going to calm the market down and, and they would learn. Um, and you're right. In my opinion, the pace of change in the internet was far more uh, ponderous than the pace of change here. Some say the pace of change in AI is itself accelerating so that you can't, you almost, you have to stay swimming or surfing or whatever to, to stay up. But let me let me switch gears a little bit, which is what's your sense of your client's concern or desire for regulation or legislation around where AI is going, AI and ML? Because there are many leaders who say that, you know, this is not just toothpaste out of the tube or genie out of the bottle or whatever. This could go horribly wrong if we're not care careful, not just domestically, but certainly if we control it domestically with le le legislation and regulation, other nations who are not our friends might not. Are you hearing any themes like that in your clients? Well, I think across the board, it's important to, to realize that there are people behind the technology, right? Right. So artificial intelligence itself, it is a tool, it is a technology, and we should all be very aware and, and quite proactive as as citizens, as community members, as political leaders, we should be quite aware and pre quite proactive in to understand the ethics behind and the motivations behind those who are implementing large-scale uh, AI um, projects. Again, I just I go back to, and I think we should, you know, for for your listeners, AI is people generated. Yeah, it is subjective. There is bias in AI. We have to be very aware and very careful. I think that one of the best things we can do is kind of pull back the curtain and identify and really talk about 
who is who is creating the artificial intelligence that kind of the world is talking about and that um it, yeah it's it's pulling back the curtain and really uh identifying who who are the people behind um artificial intelligence yeah that's i think i think that's a really important point that you know humans write the algos right that yeah. they don't someday they may write themselves which i think that's where people start to flip out is that the inherent bias or lack thereof or whatever by the person writing the algo did algo today that that will be replaced by institutionalized bias in the ones and zeros when the machines start to whip the algos now i'm officially into science fiction territory but let me ask one last quick sort of lightning round before we get to our final couple of questions what's sort of a dream client for you at uh, at waterhole what what watering hole ai is it uh is it in a manufacturing business is it in a service business is it global is it domestic is it small and nimble is it large and ponderous and really needs a lot of help it's an unfair question i know but what are some of the what, what are some of the clients you love to hear from yeah yeah so it, it's it's all of those um okay. and i say that because and i've been in business for a long time with different companies and you normally don't say it's all industries it's all sizes um there's a certain amount of data that is, that a company has to have it's not as much data as it used to be so um there's a certain size company uh all industries can benefit it's those who are so so it's b2b b2c and b2b2c because to be quite honest um b2b is now b2c right you that's from a marketing perspective and a sales perspective so um it's 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 companies who are looking to use AI against a few use cases in their marketing and their sales division, right? To generate new revenue within the company. So that could be a healthcare business. It could be a retail business. It could be um, a, a, a U.S. North American based businesses. We work quite often with global businesses, right? A lot of data in, in global businesses. However, that's not always that we're working with some very fast growing companies in that are very specific to the US and they're growing so quickly and they're building, right? They don't have any tech debt uh, associated with their, their marketing and sales um, data. And so they're able to build from the beginning, pull in artificial intelligence tools, predictive AI tools into the back end of their marketing and sales uh, technologies and those pipe, so you know, that address the, the pipelines. It sounds like you're in a target-rich environment. But listen, let me let me tell you, we we end every show by asking our guest Jennifer Ives, the founder, co-founder, and CEO of Watering Hole AI, the following meta question, which is: If you ruled the world, what would you start happening that is not happening now, or stop happening that is happening, or both? I would say the first thing that comes to my mind is to ensure greater diversity in decision making across the board. We have to it. It has got to be something that we are all thinking about: diversity of thought, diversity of leadership, and diversity in decision making. I mean, we we talked about AI today. You must have diversity in in AI and those who are making decisions around AI, who are building the algorithms, who are testing and learning from the data. So, not just artificial intelligence. I will take that and pull it into the the meta question that you asked. It's it's a it's it's the desire for greater diversity in decision making. Jennifer Ives, co-founder and CEO of Watering Hole AI. Thank you for being our guest today on What's Working in Washington. Thank you so much for having me. The team behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraff. And that theme music you enjoy, performed by The Sunbathers. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network. 
and streaming as a podcast.